It's time for the Average Pros Fantasy Football Podcast, featuring Jonathan Rates, Alex Huff, and Braden Crow. What is going on, fantasy football world? Welcome back to the Average Pros Podcast, where the fantasy football podcast that brings you the clear, concise, and competitive advantage you've been looking for in that time you're still hoping for. I'm back with Braden and Alex. So week two has come and gone, and uh, man, there's there's lots to get to today. So, I mean, to kick it off, uh, buy lows and sell highs early on in the season, they're real fun to talk about. So what are some of your buy low, sell high candidates? I know I am absolutely selling the farm when it comes to Clyde Edwards Alaire. Obviously, he is been a running back one, uh, I think at least for week one, and then probably top 12 right now. Um, so trying to currently sell him if I have him in the league and get maybe, I don't know, uh, like we talked about AJ Dillon earlier. I think I might even trade him for AJ Dillon or something there, maybe try and pair him for somebody that maybe you're about to talk about Huff, but what are y'all, some of y'all's buy low sell highs? Well, hold on, wait, before Huff goes, I'm, I just want to make sure you are selling Clyde Edwards Hilaire, correct? Yeah. Selling the farm. That's, that's yeah. Selling the farm. That's a, I think, I think you have it flipped. Like you sell the farm to go get something else. You never No, He's selling Clyde Edwards Hilaire for the farm. (laughs) I don't think he's going to get the farm for Clyde Edwards, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but I think he had the, I think he was saying a little bit backwards. Selling Clyde Edwards Hilaire. As a farm, uh, oh, Clyde Edwards okay. is the farm. Okay, he, he's oh, a farm. So he's you're been producing selling well. the farm. <laughs> he's been farming. <laughs> Sell the farm high. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you guys got? <laughs> I'll go on this real quick to to pivot real quick. Uh, I am buying low on most of the first round running backs. I think that I I don't know what the overall community is feeling. I know a lot of people are kind of shaken up. You have Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey both had down weeks. Jonathan Taylor more so than Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey has had two kind of subpar weeks relative to expectations. But the guys that I'm speaking of are Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, kind of to an extent. He had a, a little bit of a bounce back, but a lot of his metrics looked bad. And I saw a lot of tweets that Thursday night where people were down on him. It's really those two guys and then Alvin Kamara, who had a bad first week and he was injured. If you can get any of those guys for, I think, 80% of the cost, I'd probably do it. We have some bad juju, if you will, when it comes from older running backs falling off really quick in terms of, you know, you have the Le'Veon Bells and the Todd Gurleys really being elite performers and then dropping off. I don't, none of these guys look like they're dropping off, right? They all look, especially Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook in the last, even last week, uh, Dalvin Cook last night as we're recording this on a Tuesday night, um, they they still look fine. It's just they're a product of their offense, product of a weird couple weeks. Alvin Kamara kind of had a weird couple weird first week and then he was out. I think these guys are both good by low candidates. Well, all three are good by low candidates if you can get them for even eighty percent of the value. Um, I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, but uh, I'm definitely targeting them. Before Braden goes, just so we can kind of get perspective on running backs since we're talking about them, here are five running backs in the top 12 that you may be surprised about. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is number five. James Robinson's number six. C.E.H., a.k.a. The Farm. 
the farm. <laughs> Kareem Hunt is number 10, Antonio Gibson's 11, and Miles Sander is 12. So those are five. That's more. A lot than of dead zone guys. That's, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I, I just pulled that up and thought that was interesting. But Crow, where, where are you at? Uh, yeah, for me, uh, I am selling high on specifically commanders receivers. Uh, for me, I just, I'm sure that Curtis Samuel is talented and, and McLaurin's going to have a good season. And uh, Jahan Dotson looks to be good. But at the end of the day, they're tied to Carson Wentz. And we kind of know what that has been the last few years. And so uh, they, I think that maybe one or two of them will finish as, as um, you know, probably wide receiver 15, 16 range. Um, but with how they're performing right now, if I can take them and upgrade to that kind of that next level of a, of a great receiver who maybe hasn't shown it the past couple weeks, you, but you know, they're talented or, you know, they're tied to a great offense. Um, that's, that's what I would personally be looking to do because the reality with Dotson, the reality with, uh, Samuel, you got him for free. You might as well use that free asset and go and upgrade. And so it's still, it's still just week, week two, um, this happens every year. Um, and so, uh, I'm just, I'm not too worried. Yeah. Curtis Samuel currently uh, wide receiver eight on the season and Jahan Dotson currently wide receiver number 15. So, uh, pretty crazy stuff. Huff or crow, <laughs> put your tongue back in your mouth. Uh, I know it's wild. Shocked me. <laughs> no, I, uh, I actually agree with you crow on this. And I think this also extends to, wide receivers in not necessarily great offenses that have been doing well that you bought for cheap, right? I'm thinking Corey Davis for the Jets. I'm thinking Christian Kirk for the Jaguars. But I think this also extends to a bigger point that I want to hit on before we get into kind of other things, which is week two is crazy. Every year, there's the first couple weeks of the season where you don't have enough data. You've done a lot of research. There's been a lot of expectations and there's also a lot of new coaching staffs in the NFL year to year. There's a lot of turnover. There's a lot of new players and defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, coaches in the NFL are really good at what they do, but they need tape and they need time to develop. And the first couple of weeks is always complete chaos from a fantasy football perspective. There's a ton of emotion behind it. There's a ton of kind of guys like on the, we're talking the guys on the jets and the commanders and the Lions, no offense, Jonathan, as a big Lions fan, who are just balling out. And I'm going to say Brown, I think, is balling out. But the rest of the team, right? You're talking about these guys on kind of mediocre teams really overperforming Jaguars. But then you're talking about guys on underperforming teams, like even the Chiefs and the Chargers relative to expectations, the Bengals, some of these teams that we know to be really good who are not, who haven't necessarily met or exceeded expectations. So something I think we're talking about a lot, and maybe it's a good reminder as we get into the next segment really quick, just to kind of caveat, I'll get off the soapbox, but it's to kind of just breathe. If you're like 0-2 as a fantasy team, kind of breathe. It doesn't, two games in any data or sample set, two, like two data points is not enough for a trend. And usually it doesn't amount to a trend. And if you're 2-0, and don't get too excited, right? There, you could have got. There's a little bit of luck involved. There's a lot happening. Definitely take it, but still be kind of remove emotions as much as you can. Be calculated. Still play your good players, right? Don't play the you know the Corey Davis over you know your 
stud wide receiver who's just kind of underperformed. Like, still kind of stick to the plan. After next week, kind of adjust if you can. I mean, be smart, but I think there's a good kind of caveat that happens every week that maybe we didn't address at the beginning of this um, this segment or this podcast, but fantasy football is crazy. It's a probability game. It's not an emotional game, but it is a week-to-week thing. So there's kind of that that balance. I don't know what you guys' thoughts are on that really quick before we maybe dive into the, the weekly thing, but I know this is a conversation – us like we have every single year and we all have to talk each other off ledges of oh selling you know derrick henry because i bought him you know early in the first round and stuff like that and it's like just just hold like sometimes it's a bust but for the most part the guys that you've methodically and like from a research based perspective picked from a good like at a good place are still probably going to perform there's just going to be ups and downs week to week and we know that going into fantasy football Something that I'm reminded of every year around this time is that the best fantasy football players um, can actually have a memory to go back and look and remember um, and learn from their mistakes. And so uh, that's what I did today. I tried to, I went back to fantasy pros. Fantasy pros is a really great tool. You get to search scoring and you get to see kind of um, between week to week, the trends and, and who was ranked what at what point in the season. And so I kind of just ran a quick report to see after two games last year, what, what did the NFL look like? And so I I had totally forgotten this, but uh, Daniel Jones was the quarterback five. Jared Goff was the quarterback eight. Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback 12. Sam Darnold was the quarterback 15. And then we go all the way down to 18. That's Josh Allen, who finishes the quarterback one. You have Joe Burrow, who was the 21st ranked quarterback, who finished in the top five. Herbert was 23. I mean, you know, that's just that's just quarterbacks. You go back to, you know, you go to wide receivers, and after two weeks, Antonio Brown, Calvin Ridley, and Henry Ruggs all had better first two weeks than Michael Pittman, DK Metcalf, Cortland Sutton, uh, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, AJ Brown. And it's like, I mean, and running backs. Yeah. Running, but running backs get even crazier. Like I saw Tyson Williams was a running back one. Um, he ended up being dropped not long after, um, Jonathan Taylor finishes the running back one last year. He was, he, yeah. Jonathan Taylor was the running back 27. And then you have Leonard Fournette who finished as the running back three last year overall. And he was, he finished as the, after two weeks, he was the running back 33. And so, um, things just, things start to regress. You got to start looking at talent and looking at track record. And you kind of just have to call your shot because if you miss it, that window closes, you're, you're stuck starting two and oh, but you may finish the season being, you know, three and 12. Yeah. And I think what you mean by regress is regress to the mean, right? Like where there's a lot of these players that maybe negatively regress to the mean. Like there's a lot of guys that have played really well over two weeks, right? And you're looking at Dolphins guys, you're looking at Amonar St. Brown, and I think, I hope they're all great. And you're looking at a lot of Jets players, but the reality is these guys are not going to do this every week and finish. (laughs) That's just the overall, you know, number one player in their position. And then on the contrary, there's a lot of guys you draft in the first three rounds that are, have not even made kind of an impact yet. And that's just how it happens. Things do regress to the mean. 
these NFL coaches, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators know what they're doing. They're smart. There's some new coaches every year, especially on the bad teams that, you know, Bill Belichick isn't used to scheming for and stuff like that. And it's like, you just got to, things do regress. The good players are the good players. And it, by and large, outside of a couple outliers, which do happen every year, do regress to the mean and, and do regulate more, much more than that the variance of weeks one, weeks two, and possibly even week three. Yeah. So speaking of why we are bringing that up, even we can kind of dive into some of the week two takeaways and, and some of the matchups we had. So we're going to try and highlight some of those that we thought were really the the big takeaways and we'll, it'll feel like we're flying a little bit through some of the other ones, but um, really just want to get you guys as much information and, and as concise and as quickly as possible. So uh, without further ado, we're diving into that Thursday night football game. So the chiefs and chargers, obviously people were expecting fireworks. I think we got a few, maybe not quite the, the show we were hoping for, um, but chiefs beat the chargers 27 to 24. Um, Keenan Allen was out for the chargers. Um, and I think Josh Palmer stepped in there and performed admirably. Um, personally, I think he has a shot to, to be a clear number two option for Justin Herbert um, in future. If Keenan Allen's out, I know that there may be some different of opinions. Um, but then, of course, we talked about CEH already. And CEH, of course, is uh, questionable um, to maintain the usage. He's currently that running back five. So do not think that's going to happen. So keep keep track of those facts and those fluffs but uh what do, what were y'all some of y'all's thoughts on that game uh i think for me uh you know mike williams got back looked great um i don't think it's necessarily just because allen was gone but allen being gone i think definitely helped it uh there's more running backs involved for the chargers than there were last year i thought that was a, a big point that I noticed, especially, um, Michelle getting like a, a goal line carry, I think. And so, um, that was really interesting. Um, really the biggest news for me that I am watching on both sides is I'm, um, I'm monitoring Justin Herbert. Um, he did not look well, um, uh, at the end of the game and they said he's day to day, but, um, those uh, rib injuries can just be weird sometimes. Sometimes players are more shy or they're more scared to take hits. And so I'm kind of just watching that. Um, You're starting him if you have him, obviously, but uh, just to see if he even plays this week. Yeah, Justin Herbert did make probably one of the best throws of the season right after he got injured, but it just doesn't look like he's going to maintain health, and I think it's a good thing to watch. Jonathan, I agree. Josh Palmer's an interesting thing to keep an eye on. My only fluff piece here would be to, like that Juju is Juju Smith-Schuster wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs might not be that great. I think he still led the Chiefs in target share, if I'm not mistaken. He still looks okay. I wouldn't be selling or dropping him or doing anything like that. If anything, maybe he's a buy low. So the fluff maybe is that Juju's not that great in the Chiefs. He's still probably the the leading wide receiver there. Yeah, um, that definitely was a... Yeah, just really interesting to kind of get them all together. Uh, Justin Herbert, whenever he went down, all I thought of was the uh, the doctor memes that came out with Tyrod Taylor and him. I couldn't. Which he Tyrod Taylor starting to, is suing that doctor. Did you see that? He's suing the practice of that the Chargers doctor. Tyrod Taylor plays for the Giants now, right? Yeah, but this the lawsuit went through recently where he's suing that doctor. Which I mean, rightfully so. Right? That's crazy. For those of y'all that don't know, uh, it. Tyrod Taylor got hurt and his lung was punctured and that pretty much allowed Justin Herbert to become Justin Herbert. So uh, poor guy, Tyrod Taylor, but thank you, Justin Herbert. 
Uh, Alex, you want to take the next one there just real quick? Yeah, the next game was uh, the Lions came up on the Commanders 36-27. All in all, pretty competitive game. This is kind of what we were talking about when we were talking about kind of early season variants and chaos. These are historically not the like highest of high Super Bowl contending teams, but they played really well. They had a lot of fantasy relevant players, so you're kind of trying to figure out what to do with them. The fact here is I think that Amon Ross St. Brown is just good. I think he's we were a lot of people were wrong on him. He was good. Um he looks to be good. The commanders give up a lot in the slot so that he's not gonna have forty point games in PPR every week, but he's probably a I think he's probably guaranteed a wide receiver one until further notice. Um, and I think probably a fluff piece. I don't know what's to do with Antonio Gibson, but we know Brian Robinson's already practicing. He looks healthy. We could also say a fluff piece is that the commanders, based on Braden, your sell high earlier with about the Washington commanders wide receivers, maybe Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel are sell highs at this point. Um, but that would be kind of all I have on this game. Yeah. So, Obviously, I was very happy on Sunday when the Lions uh, defeated the Commanders. It was, you know, first time in a long time that they weren't part of a two-touchdown comeback. Sorry, Jets and Browns. We'll get to you on a second. But uh, Dolphins and Ravens was, again, another late comeback. The Dolphins were trailing 21 points heading into the fourth quarter, 35-14. Lamar had just broken off a ridiculous run that gave some people a lot of fantasy points. Uh, but uh, Dolphins come back, win 42-38. to Obviously, Tua, everybody is going crazy about Tua. He threw six touchdown passes. Um, and I think some notes here are obviously no clear QB or no clear running back. Tua is the QB. Um, kind of came to the to the top there. But uh, Waddle and Hill, man, it's, uh, it's Waddle and then Hill, we think, uh, because Waddle had a lot of those receptions. And then Rashad Bateman on the, on the Ravens, of course. He had another long touchdown. Um, but I wouldn't get too comfortable seeing those. I think he's going to really start working his way into getting some targets. Yeah, quick note between the uh, wide, the two wide receivers for the Dolphins. Ty, uh, Jalen Waddle had a 38% target share. He was the alpha up until the very end of the game. Tyreek Hill, it was 105 of his 158 receiving yards came on two really deep, broken plays. Uh, the Ravens were already beaten up in the secondary, secondary going into the game. Uh, they had a lot of backups in and the ones, the starters that they did have in were injured. So not saying Tyreek Hill is not awesome. He's been very good. He'll have more boom bust games, but uh, Jalen Waddle just looked like the alpha here. And I think that's noteworthy going forward. Yeah, I have Waddle um, in a couple of places and I wasn't expecting I would, and I didn't feel great after drafts, after the drafts I did, but uh, he's been, the steal of the draft for me. I, he, he looked dominant all, um, all game and then kind of it evened out towards the end, but I'm really excited for Rashad Bateman to be in a game script where it's back and forth, not just like a, a defensive minded game or a blowout. Like I, I want to see, I want to see Baltimore go up against, you know, the chargers and both of them are having to score a bunch of touch, you know, having to score touchdowns and, Lamar's having to throw the ball, and um, I just I think Bateman is is going to get his and and really take a step forward once we start seeing that game script. Where are y'all at, Lamar, Jalen Hurts, and Josh Allen? Who finishes highest of those three? So Lamar and Jalen Hurts behind Josh Allen, right? Is that what we're, is that what we're debating? I'm I'm asking. Lamar's the number one quarterback <laughs> right now. 
Are you saying Josh Allen's going to be the top, top uh, quarterback? Yeah, I still think Josh Allen's in contention there. Uh, but I think it probably goes in that order. Josh Allen, then Lamar Jackson, I would imagine. Then that's, Jalen probably, it. that's probably what I would say too. I think I think maybe there's going to be a, there may be a connection with when Dobbins comes back and how healthy he looks after injury. I mean, or he takes not, work away from Lamar Jackson. Though. Yeah. I mean, they just, they have not been able to do anything in the run game. It's, it's all been exclusively Lamar. And so even if Dobbins comes back and looks perfectly healthy, Lamar is still a, a I would love to have him on my team and I can't get him anywhere. So, yeah. And I think part of like the chaos and variance we're talking about through two weeks is Jalen Hurts does look good. We all predict him to look good, but like we've seen Lamar Jackson do this over a season. We've seen Jalen Hurts or um, Josh Allen do it over a season. We haven't really seen Jalen Hurts do this over a season. I would love to see him, Jalen Hurts, just dominate, be the, the MVP of the entire league. He could be, but I think if I had to just probability predict it, I'd pick those three, but. I don't think it's a crazy argument that Jalen Hurts finishes as the third best quarterback in fantasy, and he was drafted far below that. Well, we'll talk more about the Eagles here in a little bit, so I'll hold it for there. But I do think Lamar is going to to supplant Josh Allen this year, especially if Josh Allen only plays three quarters every game. Uh, <laughs> so Jets versus Browns, the Jets, a miraculous comeback. Literally, Nick Chubb today was blaming himself because he didn't go down when they were uh, up by a touchdown, uh, they they went up thirty to seventeen. Jets come back in less than two minutes, score two touchdowns, win that game. Jets have a ton of playmakers: uh, Wilson, Hall, uh, that's Garrett Wilson, uh, Brees Hall, Michael Carter, all those young studs. I think they're going to be startable going forward. Um, maybe you wait a little bit on Hall to see um, some more of that passing work, but um, that's that's factual that they're going to have a role. Um, and then on the other side, Amari Cooper. Continuing to put up wide receiver one numbers, I am very hesitant to see that continue just with Jacoby Brissett. Maybe when Deshaun Watson comes back in week 13 or whenever it's going to be uh, after the bye, we'll see. But I'm not I'm not banking on Amari Cooper to carry any teams. Totally agree on Amari Cooper. Obviously, if you have Nick Trevor, Cream Hunt, you're happy. I think the one key here is Garrett Wilson's going to be picked up everywhere by the time anyone can listen to this on Wednesday. Brees Hall is going to be on teams. But if somehow Elijah Moore was dropped just because people are disappointed or underwhelmed. He's still, he's the second guy, really arguably sometimes the first guy in this offense. Go pick him up. Uh, yeah, the Jets surprisingly looked good. Um, Flacco did not look bad. Um, I'm saying all of these as question marks because I still am kind of surprised by it. Um, how did Miles Garrett just not eat Joe Flacco alive? Like how how did the Jets' offensive line hold up against that? Well, I think the better question is how what's gonna like what happens when Zach Wilson's healthy? Well, that's what I was gonna ask. So it's got to be 110. percent Well, so <laughs> I watched. <laughs> so I, I looked at their schedule. So they're one and one now. Remember they lost to the Ravens, but they have the Bengals next week. And then the week after that, they have the Steelers, which are both very winnable games. And so what happens if Zach Wilson comes back to a three and one Jets led by Joe Flacco? Are are they playing Zach Wilson? I mean, what do we I don't know what we do with that. And how does that affect these receivers and running backs? That's just kind of TBD for sure. Yeah, well, I think that'll be probably a later question that we answer on the podcast. So uh, stay tuned for that. But uh, good, plug, good plug. 
<laughs> yeah, plug for, I don't know, podcast 21. Uh, Brayden, you got the next one there. Yeah, so let's talk about the Jaguars and the Colts game. That was, um, I was not um, expecting that. Um, kind of just a few takeaways. Kirk looked good. Uh, Trevor Lawrence seems to be taking that next step forward. Uh, James Robinson, um, you know, had a good uh, a long touchdown run, but um, just something to be watching out for there is uh, without that run, he had like, he averaged like a yard a carry. Like it, it didn't look great. The the game, the game script was good for him uh, and not ETN. They did not need to pass the ball. And so ETN did not play as many snaps. Um, so they were trying to run out the clock. So uh, again, we think Robinson will be fine this year for fantasy. Um, for sure, don't drop ETN yet. Um, but if you can find someone who's interested in um, selling the farm for James Robinson, I would for sure get rid of him. So uh, Matt Ryan looked old. He looked bad. Um, they really need Michael Pittman. And so uh, I, I just, I lowered my expectations on the Colts this year. I think that the division's pretty wide open. Braden, you're such a glutton for punishment with your James. You just couldn't resist on James Robinson. I can't well, stop, man. Well, I can't stop. Here is, if you have either James Robinson or CEH, you're pretty much going to get a farm somehow. Like in yeah. real life. Farm. You're going to sell it. <laughs> We're just somehow we're just sticking with one analogy over and over. There are workhorses, man. I don't know. It's land, just, land. You gotta buy land, man. Just there's only there's only off. there's only so much of it. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on to the Giants and Panthers. The Giants, Giants are two and zero, y'all. They are leading. They are tied with the Eagles for the lead in the NFC East. Who would have thought? Uh, they beat the Panthers nineteen sixteen, and pretty much your two takeaways from there. If you have Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, you're happy. They are who th- who we thought they are, and uh, <laughs> you. Uh, can pretty much not trust the fluff is if you're telling yourself you can trust any other pass catchers than Saquon Barkley um, on the, on the giants. It's just a, a terrible roulette that you're going to get burned by. So uh, that's, that's pretty much what you need to know from that game. Yep. Uh, agree with that. We'll go to the next game. Patriots beat the Steelers 17, 14. There's a lot. I mean, I don't know if there's a lot here, actually. <laughs> the reality is the Steelers don't look great. We don't know what, who their quarterback's going to be long-term. Deontay Johnson's Deontay Johnson. Najee Harris is Najee Harris. I think those are kind of the facts of the game. Um, they're probably both independent of quarterback play. So if somebody's low on either of those guys, maybe Najee Harris, barring injury. Goodbyes. Um, the fluff uh, is that Damian Harris is the clear number one for the Patriots running back. Um, obviously, we're not talking about a Patriots wide receiver because why would we stoop that low? But I think running back-wise, Ramondre Stevenson still looks good. They still have you know a committee. They've always done a committee there in, in New, New England. Uh, but Damian Harris does look okay. Did look okay, maybe. Um, I don't know if he's the clear number one, though, so that, that's probably the fluff piece for this game. I don't think there's another even takeaway. Pat Farmuth looked good, but that's probably it. Uh, the Bucks and the Saints. Uh, Bucks ended up winning twenty to ten. Uh, just a weird game, kind of something that we kind of just have to kick the can further down the road on to figure out more of um, each team. But you don't want to put too much stock into um, this performance for the Bucks, especially Tom Brady and Leonard Fournette. Um, didn't have great days, but all of the weapons were missing, and so. Um, you, you really don't want to factor that too much into Tom Brady. Again, you remember that he is the literally the greatest quarterback of all time. And so um, you Andy had to- a really bad week one last year against New Orleans. 
yeah, you really don't want to put too much in on this. And so uh, as far as the Saints side, kind of the same thing. Jameis had literally played with a broken back. And so um, can't put your team on the back when that's happening. Yeah, I can't do that. We well, um, can, but just or yeah, he already did it in week one, twenty ten. So, so um, you know, Michael Thomas looked good as long as he's healthy. He is in your lineup. Um, as far as Olave, he led the league in air yards. Um, kind of a, a crazy statistic that he, as a rookie in his second game ever in the NFL, did that. And so, um, I expect big days ahead for him. Uh, he's almost putting on a, a Justin Jefferson esque show. And so, uh, super excited to see what he does in the future. You mean like five catches and get shut down by Darius Slay? Is that, that Hey, you know what? Air yards come first and then touchdowns and first round draft pick comes next. The, the arguments are always anecdotal, Jonathan. You should know that. Uh, of course. Of course. Well, I would sell on. the farm for him. <laughs> Rams and Falcons. Another farm. Uh, never mind. I was going to make a Farmville reference, but uh, we won't stoop that low. Uh, Rams beat the Falcons 31 uh, 27. Allen Robinson, he is absolutely Cooper Cup's Robin. Batman and Robin right there. Uh, I will coin that, I guess, maybe. Uh, and they're both going to be good for fantasy. And uh, the fluff here is. Kyle Pitts, if you're out on Kyle Pitts, and so let's let's just go ahead and dive full head on into that because I know there's some some nervousness there uh, about Kyle Pitts, but uh, I I don't really think we should be nervous of Kyle Pitts. He still is the most talented person on that field, even in that yeah. game. Uh, we are big Kyle Pitts truthers here. With I would not even say this like unconfidently, like most of the industry. So this isn't a crazy take, but he's not even 22 yet. He had eight games, if I'm not mistaken, last year that were like under 50 yards. So, and he still finished with a thousand yard season and one touchdown. And he is still great. So, I wouldn't read too much into it. He's going to have his ups and downs. Tight ends, by and large, have looked really bad unless you have Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller from one week. Um, you might have gotten, I think, Gerald Everett has been okay, but. It's there's nothing there. The t- that position just sucks for fantasy. Kyle Pitts is still the athletic juggernaut that he is. He's still that that guy. If you can buy low on him, I'd say do that. Still, I don't think there's any any doubt in any of our minds that Kyle Pitts is just done. He's not even 22 yet. So give him time. He had over a thousand yards as a rookie. He's still going to be fine. Uh, this offense, if anything, looks to be getting better. So that's my Kyle Pitts take. I'll get off the soapbox, but. Uh, I, I'm just not, I'm not worried yet. Yeah. The other person there uh, that I forgot to mention was Drake London. He had a touchdown and uh, he's looking like, man, the rookie wide receivers look good just overall. I've been impressed. Um, yeah. So don't want to put too much stock into it, but uh, if you can get those in keeper dynasty leagues, definitely would, would say that, but yeah. Uh, so the next game, 49ers 27 Seahawks seven, I mean, we have the Trey Lance injury that happened. We don't need to harp on that too long. It just sucks for Trey Lance more than anybody else, but it just sucks for everybody involved that had bet on him, that wants him to succeed. However, if there is a silver lining and there, you have to, you know, kind of dissect real life and fantasy here, but the fantasy silver lining is that Jimmy G is good for the wide receivers in um, San Francisco and possibly good for the running backs. They looked. They still looked good. Jimmy G looks like a viable, you know, 
high-end QB2 option. Kind of looks like last year, they look like Super Bowl contenders again. I wouldn't think too much about it. Fluff is probably that Rashad Penny's a bust. He still looks good. He's got some advanced metrics still that are top of the list, but they just do not look good as an offense, and Kenneth Walker is kind of nipping at his heels. So I'd, I'd be careful, but I don't know if he's a bust yet or a sell. I don't think you saw him low, but I don't know if he's a bust. The next game was the Broncos and the Texans. Broncos came up 16-9. to nine. The Texans, man, they are just... It's a tough stuff sledding, but it's also what we predicted. Um, the only probably relevant piece going to be on this team is Brandon Cooks, and he's not going to get you huge weeks, but he's also going to probably provide a floor. So um, we like that. In terms of the Broncos, man, we just got to see a coaching change. We got to see something develop. We all believe Russell Wilson, I think, is is a good enough quarterback to to kind of put this team back on track. And so far in two games, Jerry Judy looked good, and then Corlin Sutton looked good. Javante Williams looked good. So it doesn't look like the the fantasy skill position players are going to be hurt too bad just because of this. But if if people are off of them, it might be a good dip opportunity. But it is not encouraging, and it's not what we thought. the Bron- We thought this Broncos offense was going to be a juggernaut. And if you have Russell Wilson, you do not feel that way coming out of week two. But like we said, two weeks is not a sample size. So... Stick to the stick to your priors. Let things regress to the mean. Um, Texans probably uh, the fluff is that the Texans are going to become anything. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I have um, I have a lot of Broncos in different places, and and so I watch those games really closely. Um, and it, it it just looks like Hackett has never learned how to be a head coach, and so uh, I think he's going to learn from his mistakes. I think he's going to be better. Um, and I think, I think the Broncos will eventually have better days. I, it's just a matter of time on when that'll happen. So, uh, but definitely a, a slow game, um, for sure. Uh, and not as slow of a game for sure was, uh, the Cardinals and the Raiders, um, went into overtime, um, solely on the back of Kyler Murray. <laughs> uh, there is literally no one else that contributed AJ Green uh looked so old um Ertz did not look quite as old yet very old uh, beaten up yeah it it didn't yeah it just it it was an interesting game Kyler you could tell how exhausted Kyler was and so uh I think Hollywood's fine he's he is getting hammered with targets so uh if someone's like really dying to get rid of him I would buy low I wouldn't um I wouldn't just overly prioritize trying to buy Hollywood, but I do think they're going to have better days ahead. Um, as far as the Raiders go, it, everything kind of went normal. You know, Adams didn't have a great day, but Waller did fine. Jacobs did fine. Carr did fine. No one kind of went off, but um, it was kind of a, a pretty run-of-the-mill day for the Raiders. It was a close game. And after that week one performance with Devontae Adams, this week two performance doesn't bother me at all. I think he's still going to be elite. I wouldn't buy into the dip. He had a like couple of receptions, quick touchdown, but he was dominant in week one. So that's not a concern for me at all. Yeah, not worried about Adams at all. Um, so, but yeah, pretty uh, weird game in the fact that Kyler had to carry it all. I, I honestly expected more from those pass catchers. Uh, 
Another game that happened around that same time were the Cowboys and the Bengals. Um, I picked up the Bengals defense everywhere, thinking that they would just absolutely obliterate the Cowboys. Uh, Cooper Rush was definitely formidable. Noah Brown looked uh, surprisingly okay. Uh, CD got a lot of targets. Um, Both running backs were involved for the Cowboys. Uh, The Bengals were interesting. the O-line is, is a problem. Yeah. The, the O-line's a problem. Um, you know, I think there's more talent on the Bengals O-line than we give them credit for. I think they will eventually figure it out, but for Joe Burrow's sake, that better be sooner rather than later. So, um, it's, you know what Burrow did last year? He's super talented. He has some of the best receivers in the game. One of the best running backs in the game. I just think his own line's got to get it figured out. So, uh, thankful we got the win. Um, I was not expecting it as a Cowboys fan, but thankful we got it. Yeah, the nightcap there after the Cowboys and Bengals was the Packers and Bears. Packers pretty much dominated that game 27 to 10. Uh, Darnell Mooney, if you believe in him, now's the time to go get him if you didn't get him. Uh, but he is talented, yet the Bears talk about offensive struggles. The only thing that really looked good was the run game. Um, and then you still just have so much ambiguity on the Packers side. So if you think Lazard after one game of scoring a touchdown as a wide receiver one, you kind of have another thing coming for you. Um, need to see some more consistency there um, by people other than the running backs. So, uh, and then on Monday night, we jumped into the bills and Titans bills obliterated the Titans 41 to seven. Uh, and then you had the Eagles uh, and the Vikings Eagles win that game 24 to seven kind of going away. Vikings did everything they could to shoot themselves in the foot, AKA Kirk cousins. Um, but what are y'all's thoughts just kind of on those two Monday night games and, and what were y'all's uh, takeaways? The bills won big. Um, I expected them to win. So I was expecting Singletary to have a better day and that just, that didn't happen. Uh, Diggs day just kept getting better. <laughs> like it just, it just kept going. And so, uh, I have digs in a couple places and it was just like, Oh my word, when is this going to stop? So, uh, the bills did bills things. Uh, I, I don't know who's going to be able to stop them this year. As far as the Titans go, I think it's just a matter of time before it's, uh, the Malik Willis show Tannehill is clearly not the guy that's going to get the Titans um, to compete in the playoffs. So I think if Rabel knows that he's not going to waste any more time. Yeah. In our uh, big home dynasty league that we talk about a lot, uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for trading me Stefan Diggs because I have the Josh Allen Stefan Diggs stack. It was great last night. Uh, led me over a win to our uh, good friend, Tyler Schroeder, if you're listening uh, I think the fluff here, and this is important real quick, is just that Derrick Henry is washed. I, that, it's just a tough offense, tough situation. But and, and this is obviously one of the first times Derrick Henry has looked like kind of human um, instead of superhuman. But I think he's still going to be good. He's still elite. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, react too far in the other opposite direction based on this performance. I would say I'm the most hesitant on Henry uh, of the of us three. I think he's not going to have a season like he's had in the past years because one Titans offense. But uh, I do think he's still a buy low candidate because he's still that top tier, uh, top couple tiers running back. So I agree on that. Uh, Eagles and Vikings. We talked about Jalen Hurts. Uh, man, I think Hurts is man. He went nuclear. Two rushing touchdowns. Um, Kirk Cousins in prime time. It was it was like that all over again. <laughs> what did y'all see from that game? Yeah, so we don't, you know, these are small victory laps after week two, but I remember in the offseason we were talking about jo- uh, Jalen Hurts kind of being the next Josh Allen or on the 
that same progression. And I know you compared them earlier, but he looks good, man. J- Jalen Hurts looks like he can run the offense and he's elevated everyone. I think we talked at the very early onset of the show that Miles Sanders is kind of a top 12 running back, even just on the back of Jalen Hurts, really. So um, more farms to sell there. But by and large, the Eagles look good. The Vikings. I wouldn't panic on Justin Jefferson yet. Wouldn't panic on Delvin Cook yet, even though that one's hard, it's scary. But I think he's still going to bounce back. Um, I don't know, Brayden, if you have any other thoughts. But it's it's a hard hold on some of these guys. But uh, Justin Jefferson's the easiest. Just obviously, yeah, keep him. There's there's no concern. Yeah, I kind of feel the exact same way that y'all do. But I did want to use my last bit of talking for this episode to explain that. Uh, selling the farm is going all in, but apparently you can buy the farm too. That's another, um, that's another um, terminology and it actually means you died. Like that's just all it means. And so (laughs) now, you know, these are the things that you learn on the average pros. So make sure you sell the farm. Don't buy the farm. Don't buy the farm. So if if Kirk Cousins is playing in primetime, he's buying the farm because he pretty much is dead. Uh, That's pretty much a wrap for us. So we're going to get out of here on that (laughs) note. Uh, If you need any more information about farms, just uh, hit us up on Twitter at average pros. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Tune in next time. Until then, we're the average pros. See ya. Your time is valuable, and we thank you for sharing a little of it with the average pros. For more clear, concise, and competitive analysis, be sure to follow us on Twitter at AverageProsFF. That's at AverageProsFF. Editing and production by Jonathan Rates. Voiceover by Ben Johnson. Music by Josh Lippy and the Overtimers. We'll catch you at the next one.